with your host, Bill Lundgren, an AINC original podcast. We're not holding back truth. We're here to help you heal and become the best you possible. Here's the chair. Here's the pillow. Here's Bill. Hello, everybody. This is another episode of Blindsight, uh, which is produced by the Audio Information Network of Colorado. I'm your host, Bill Lundgren, and I'm delighted to have a fellow podcaster on today to help me with the subject we're going to talk about. Uh, most of you may already know Penn Street, who is the podcast for Aftersight, and she's also, you know her as a an advocate for blind pe- people, and she's also very much into physical health. And that's the subject I want to work on today. You're listening to Blindsight with Bill Lundgren. If you enjoy what you hear, please visit AINcolorado.org for more shows, news, and articles read by our amazing staff and volunteers. If you have a question for Bill or would like to recommend a guest for future shows, please visit AINcolorado.org slash podcast dash guest. Welcome to Blindsight. Welcome, Penn, to uh, this program, which you were instrumental, I think, in uh, getting started, and thank you. Well, thanks, Bill. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I haven't talked to you since you've been a host on, I mean, a guest on Aftersight, so it's really fun to catch up (laughs) with you a little bit, and I'm so excited for Blindsight it's definitely something that's been needed, and people are really appreciating the podcast. So thanks for hosting it. Well, thank you. The last two weeks, we've been talking about, uh, you know, it's the beginning of the, a new year. Everybody sets goals and so forth. And one of the things that uh, people tend to set a goal of, this is what you hear about, is, oh, I'm going to exercise this year, or Mm -hmm. I'm going to lose weight, or I'm going to, you know, something having to do with uh, physical exercise. And I know when I used to work out in the gym, uh, if I went in on January, in January and February, (laughs) you know, it'd be real difficult to get equipment to work with. By March, then the place would be, you know, it'd be falling rapidly in terms of how many people show up. Right. And yet, as a, as a therapist working with mental health, uh, I, like a great many of us, have come to realize that we cannot just look at your mental health without looking at physical health as well. The two mm-hmm. of them feed off each other and uh, build on each other. And so I thought it was important for us, uh, as both of us are blind people, people with blindness, who... Uh, you know, maybe, some, you know, for me, I was always intimidated and, and, and kind of prevented by others from uh, spreading my wings 
in uh, being able to be physical. I know people are constantly amazed when I talk about hiking. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what are you going to be in Colorado? I mean, why be in Colorado when, if you're not hiking? Right. Because there's so much here. But they think because we can't see, you know, that, uh, you know, we ha we're, we're a danger to be out there <laughs> hiking around. <laughs> and so I wanted to get some, some feedback from you in terms of, how you deal with people who are afraid for you, how uh, uh, and uh, and other people who are afraid of their partners or their their children getting out and being physical, and what are the ways that we can work around it so we can have a healthy physical life, yeah. which encourages a healthy mental life. Yeah, it, it, this is definitely a topic that is very dear to my heart. Um, I talk frequently on Aftersight about hiking and skiing and paddleboarding and things like that. And for me, Bill, it's the people that are going to tell us that we shouldn't be doing that or, or that's dangerous or, you know, those kinds of things are probably people that need to be out there hiking and skiing and paddleboarding along with us um, <laughs> because the people who actually are out there doing active things outside, they they don't have the same perspective as people who don't. So, for instance, growing up, my mother, who was a big gardener and she loved gardening and she was visually impaired and hearing impaired – and the garden was sort of her sanctuary. That's where her mental health and rejuvenation came from, especially raising 10 children. And that was fine. It was fine for me to go out and help her in the garden. But when it came to bike riding or hiking or skiing, she just thought, it was insanity to have a blind child do those things. But, how, but it's because she didn't. She didn't do them. Um, however, my father, who, you know, my, I had seven older brothers. They were in Boy Scouts and things like that. So they were constantly out in the out doing things in all the seasons. And so my dad was the one that really was like, hey, if you want to go back to bike riding after you lost your vision, Go back to bike riding. Yes, you are probably going to fall. You're probably going to crash. But you fell and crashed even when you had sight. Um, you know, if you want to go on that camping trip with the school, go for it. You know, and I am sure behind closed doors, my mother and father fought about it. Um, and sometimes my dad won and sometimes my mom won. But I, I think that parents and loved ones should not keep anybody from doing something, an activity outside, especially if they aren't willing to do it themselves. Well, that's the, that part of the issue is they feel that as the guardian of us, and, you know, it's, as I often say, I have to be careful if I want to date anyone because the codependents are the ones who are drawn to me like a magnet mm -hmm. because they want to protect me from from getting hurt or from, uh, well, from the facts of life. Yeah. And I guess one of the things that the people who care about us have to know that it really is helpful for us to fall. 
exactly. to, in a sense, hurt ourselves because that's how we learn different ways of being able to uh, do what we want to do without getting injured. Absolutely, but there's and that's also a hard thing. Yeah, there's also the whole other level of. Um, and I know you know way more of this than I do because of the field um, that you come from, Bill. But there's scientific proof that if no matter who you are, what your ability is, what you can or can't do, if you get outside, even if it's just going for a walk around your own neighborhood, the endorphins and the just the chemistry in your body changes for the better. And so when loved ones keep us from experiencing the outdoors, they're actually doing us more harm than they are good. And I, I really, and also I, I recommend that, you know, if if you have a blind child or a loved one that, that I'll take skiing as an example, and you, you're very fearful of them, well, then Put them in a program, you know, let somebody, let professionals teach them how to ski um, so that you, well, one, I would never recommend a, a loved one teaching somebody how to do anything outside because that's a, that's an easy way to get divorced, I guess. But, um, but, but <laughs> there's all these other options. If you're afraid to let your loved one or allow your loved one or support your loved one in doing something in the outdoors, then, then step back, you know, like say, Hey, I'll give you a ride to the pool or, or to this hiking group or to the ski adventure, whatever it is. Um, you can still support them in it. And then you go sit in the lodge or you go to the nearest coffee house or bookstore or whatever, and you take care of yourself and let the professionals, you know, kind of step in and, and, and teach that child or that adult um, the skills that they're going to need in whatever outdoor activity that is. How do you find the professionals that are comfortable in working with people with blindness? Oh, Bill, we are so lucky no to live in Colorado because there are so many, regardless if it's, um, an, you know, a water sport or skiing or whatever it is, hiking. There are lots and lots of groups out there that um, that are that have incredible programs. And a lot of them are either free or majorly discounted because, as you know, people who are blind, it's. Income is is one of our biggest biggest barriers. So, and I if right. you know I know Audio Information Network of Colorado has some of those programs on our website, which is aincolorado.org. Um, but if you don't find something, if you're looking for something um, and you're not finding it, you can absolutely email me. Um, and, and ask me directly. And it's my name is Penn, P E N N. So it's Penn at A I N Colorado dot O R G. And I, I, I mean, I'm not kidding. This is a big passion of mine is for blind people to get outside, whatever that activity is. Um, cause it really, really does help m mentally, physically, spiritually, you name it. So feel free to reach out to me. There's a wonderful book out called uh, The Nature Fix, mm. F-I-X, 
And the in it is the research that really supports what we're saying in terms of the mental health. In fact, in Scandinavia, uh, their mental health programs, their mental health institutions, would take their residents out for hikes oh, wow. in the in the area because they know that it has as much benefit, if not more, than therapy than mm-hmm. you know talk therapy. Because it, exactly as you say, just being out and being exercising and producing yeah. endorphins. One of the issues I know we've been talking about the uh, the people who love us and protect us uh, unwittingly uh, hurting us in in effect, but also there were people who you know who because of their parents or whatever are scared to try. Mm-hmm. And it may be the people who are uh, uh, newly blind, for example. We just believe that everything's been cut off. And we have to speak to to them to say, look, you don't have to give up things that you used to love doing. Yeah, absolutely. And and everybody's different, Bill. Like, Like you were talking about somebody who's newly blind. Well, somebody who's newly blind just using their new cane skills to get to the mailbox at the end of their driveway and back right. in. Yeah. That is huge, you know. So so mm-hmm. don't think, especially if the if you're new to blindness, don't think that you need to go out and learn how to ski blind or rock climb blind or something like that. You know, start small. Start doing right. those little errands by yourself, like going to the mailbox or and then you'll get mm-hmm. more confident with your skills. Um, you know, go around the block the next time. Then, you know, maybe go to the nearby grocery store or coffee shop by yourself. Just the feeling of accomplishment, being outside doing something is there there is no medication or <laughs> um that can get you to that feeling of self-confidence, like doing it outside right. on your own. Right. And even if you do stumble, that doesn't mean you can't do something. That's right. It's that that old saying, uh, you can do anything you want to, you just need to do it differently. Absolutely. And that's how we learn. Just as, just as we let little, you know, little babies learn to crawl, Absolutely. And, you know, in order to be able to walk, we need to do the same thing. Exactly. And it's so injurious for us not to do anything. We need yeah. to have the feeling of confidence, even just when we're not talking about the uh, the health benefits of exercise, just the confidence that it gives us in trying. Absolutely. I mean, I have... One of the largest, ugliest bruises anybody has ever seen on the inside of my left (laughs) knee at the moment from falling skiing on Friday. And when I fell, I I fell onto my other ski on the edge. So, um, Mm. and, and, and I'm fine. It doesn't hurt to put, you know, bare weight or anything. I'm totally fine. But it is humongous and and it is very tender to touch and and humiliating yeah it was but one of the things bill that i really had to learn and i still struggle with it at times when i do fall down or i run into something 
I, I, the first thing that always pops into my head is, oh, it's because I can't see. But that's not necessarily yeah. true. Um, my husband, who's a much better skier than me, and I have friends that I ski with that are much better than me, they fall down as many times as I do. Um, and they've had very similar bruises on the inside of their knee. And and when they fall, when somebody sighted falls down, they don't blame it on their vision. They just like, oh, I hit the root that are you know, they call them snow snakes um, that go across. But they, but when somebody who's blind falls or whatever, they, that's usually the first thing. Oh, I did that because I'm blind. No, you did it because you hit a patch of ice, you know, or, you know, or you hit one of those snow snakes or, um, and, but I think that, I, I think, like you said originally, Bill, it is important to fall down. It's important to run into things because that's that's how we learn. So when I used to ski and if I heard ice, because everybody knows that sound is like when your when your skis hit ice and I would my whole body would tense up because I knew that the right. terrain just changed and it could be deadly, if especially if I was going fast. I had to right. learn mm -hmm. that when I hear that sound now, because I fell, I would fall because I would tense up. Um, and I had right. to learn like, no, you actually need to do the opposite. You need to relax into it and trust the skills that you have. And, you know, skiing on ice is different. But it is the same mm -hmm. skill set as skiing in powder. It's the same basic concept. And I try to use that in everything in my life. Like, you know, it's it's okay to fall down. It's okay to run into things. Um, because what matters is what happens after you fall down or after you run into something. Um, are you going to go back to bed and hide? Are you going to give up? No, you you take that experience and, and like you said, you learn from it. What is the takeaway from this? Um, you know, so that that's my philosophy mm -hmm. anyway. I, I think that's right. I was thinking of times, I haven't skied for a while, but when I first came here to Colorado, I skied. And I... <laughs> I was so focused on, oh, I'm blind, I'm trying to ski, when I was forgetting the fact that I was having some uh, breathing problem because I was in a high altitude and mm -hmm. I was dehydrated. Yeah. I was putting the attribution of my problem to the fact oh. that I was blind, when really what I needed to do is stop <laughs> and check my, uh, my physical self. Yes. Excluding the blindness. Absolutely. And I, I, I learned from that experience, but it's, uh, you know, it's that uh, what we attribute our problem to. And Absolutely. I'm still, uh, even in my own house, I'm still having trouble because I run into things. And, oh, I'm blind. I didn't see that corner. And I've yeah. been in this place for 12 <laughs> years. I should know yeah. where everything is. Yeah. But... I, unfortunately, am not willing to admit that I need to slow down. Mm -hmm. I need to think about where I'm going rather yeah. than just go, oh, I, I think I know where I am. Well, <laughs> you know, 
But it's the it's our our obsession, if you will, with or the fact that we we've got a weakness, a blindness, yeah. that we forget, as you were saying, everybody else runs into walls, runs into because if they're hurrying and they're not watching yeah. where they're going. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and and that is a hard shift to make in our brains <laughs> to let that go and yeah. um you know to take to take that deep breath and and just focus on the here and now i i tell people all the time about you know blind people are we're one of the best communities on living in the here and now because we know for a fact that if we're daydreaming or we're not paying attention, you know, if we're worrying about the grocery list or whatever, we are going to run into something or off something. So yeah. we we have to stay focused. And, you know, um, and, and, and that's a skill that we have to refine. Um, you know, it's it's and, and if we don't, you know, we're going to be a clumsy, beat up blind person with lots of bruises and cuts right. because we can't. And um, I was sharing that with somebody recently and he he said and he was totally blind and has been blind for most of his life. And he's like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I never thought of that because he said he gets really frustrated with his sighted friends and family members because they're like spacey like they don't pay attention to what's going on around them and <laughs> and and I and it is it's it is a skill that when you're blind you you really do have to hone it hone that skill in to focus on the here and now and and it's the same thing when you're outside you know regardless if you're taking a walk or or you know, going paddleboarding or whatever it is, when you're when you're blind, you really have to pay attention. You have to listen for those birds in the trees and in which direction are they or which way the wind right, is or right. the water sound. Like and it's almost a blessing to me because because of my blindness, I actually experience more of the outdoors than my sighted family and friends, you know, it, it happens so frequently, Bill, like, even when I'm skiing, um, I'll hear somebody ski by me, and I can actually hear the music, they have either headphones on or, or, or something, some kind of music, and, you know, might be reggae music <laughs> or something. And I'll, I'll <laughs> ask my guide, I'm like, Oh, that music is really awesome. We should keep up with them. And the guide is like, what music? And then I'm like the guy that whoever just came right by me, I could hear, <laughs> you know, music or like, I'm up there skiing and I will smell the, um, you know, the, the lodge, you know, because they're cooking hamburgers and hot dogs and making coffee and things like I can smell it way in advance. And I'll be like, oh, we're getting close to, you know, the, um, you know, the cabin, the warming hut or whatever. And my guide will be like, how do you know that? And I'm like, can't you smell that? You know, and right. sure enough, once I say it, they, they'll do it. And they're like, oh, my gosh, yes, I do. But I'm like, what are you focusing on that you can't hear and you can't smell? Um, it's like almost like people who can see 
that one sense takes over everything else where it's the opposite with yeah. us, right, Bill? Like we we have to experience all of those other senses, sometimes at the exact same time and focus on them. So I don't know. I, I think we're the lucky people, ones. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's right. But people people attribute us to, uh, to replacing our sight with some magical sense that <laughs> compensates for it. It's not a magical sense. It's a focus. Yeah. And where we're using all the sight, the other senses that we have in order to give us the information we need that people take for granted when they're sighted. You know, I know uh, it. I have a new dog, as, as you know. Yes. And I've been running into trouble with him because I had forgotten with my previous dog and from uh, a year of inactivity between dogs, yeah. certain things that I had to be aware of, like the pavement, uh, you know, pavement going up and down that tell me where I am. And, mm. uh, you know, to give me a sense of what direction I'm going and so forth. And I'm having right. to use uh, electronic compass now, right now till he gets used to uh, understanding where I want to go. Right. But I don't have any extra senses, but I have to use <laughs> everything that I have left to be able to maneuver. And I've lost that skill and I have to build it back up again. Yeah. Yeah, because I've gotten lazy. Yeah, and but I have no mag magical skills that people attribute <laughs> to me. Shh, don't tell people that, Bill. We want them to think we have magical skills. <laughs> <laughs> well, We're I want superheroes, who right? Are, we get our capes out every morning. Yeah, <laughs> well, I want people who have to to who have blindness to be able to know that they uh, really have a. If they call on it, if they trust it, they have a survival skill that yes. is called focus. And if we don't pay attention to what we're learning about the uh, uh, the landscape or the direction or where we are, uh, we'll get into trouble, yeah. not because we're blind, but because we're not using this, the abilities that we have. That's right. That's right. Now, and, how do you and that prepare happens for, with for sighted running. people. That happens with sighted people too. Yeah. You know, if they stop using a skill that they need for, you know, surviving in this world, sometimes they have to go back and get refresher courses on those as well. True. True. Yeah. Do you when you're running, you generally run with someone? Yes, I do. Um, and, and it depends on, on the location. I may or may not run with them with a tether, um, which a tether is just literally what it sounds like. It's, it's a, um, it's made out of nylon and the guide holds one end and I hold the other end. If it's, if it's a race and it's really, really crowded, then I, right. then I want to be tethered. Um, but if it's running right. on like mm -hmm. the bike path near my house and I know it's flat and wide, um, I, right. I don't need I don't need to be tethered. But you but certainly that's one way that you may need to compensate by uh having someone with you just because there are all kinds of surprises that we that sighted people would get into trouble with. 
Exactly. And it could you know, be, it can be, I know there are some people who, who run by themselves, but they know the terrain. Mm. And that's uh, what's, what's really key is to be familiar with where you are, but it yes. doesn't mean you can't do it. It just means you rely on your other senses. You may rely on a second person to go with you, but it doesn't mean you have to uh, be tethered to them. It just means that you've got another uh, someone with you. And it's a lot more fun, I think, yeah. to run with someone than yeah. doing a solo. And, and that's true and even so if you're really sighted. Both of you. you know, even if you're sighted, you should... Yeah be out there with with a partner yeah exactly it's just uh, more enjoyable to be running with someone on any uh excuse yeah but it's the question of our being see i think part of it of course is the shame you know we we fight this thing with a shame about being blind mm -hmm. and that really is a hindrance yeah because as long as we're ashamed we're not looking for ways that enable you to uh, do what you need, what you really ought to be doing. Right. Regardless Absolutely. of whether you're blind or, or sighted. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, because like when I ski, I have a, an orange bib on that says blind skier. And my guide has a bib that says, you know, guide on it. Or when we're running... Um, especially if I'm running with other adaptive runners, we have bibs on that says blind runner on it. And it's, you, you know, I think it has to take a lot of uh, self-confidence to be in public with a bright orange bib <laughs> that says, yes. I, I mean, it, it's like I'm blind and I'm proud, you know, that it might as well say that. Yeah, because right. But it's it's not only for my safety, it's also the safety of others. So when somebody is above me and they're skiing and they're looking down the mountain and they see that bib that says blind skier, well, they're going to take a little bit extra care. At least I hope they do. Um, they're like, oh, well, that person <laughs> no. is blind. I'm going to be a little bit more cautious going in front of them or around them or whatever. Um, right. And the same thing right. when you're running, because if you have a tether on and if somebody doesn't know you're blind and tethered, they might try to run between you and the guide and they could actually yeah. get hurt. Uh, you know, all of you could get hurt. So it's right. It's and, and I think we should be proud. You know, it's I'm, to me, my blindness is just part of who I am. You know, I also have, you know long brown hair that I'm really proud of. Um, you know, I'm 5'9". I'm really proud to be a tall woman. You know, I we should all be proud of the different parts of us that make us up as a whole. And if, if blindness mm -hmm. is part of that whole, you should be just as proud of it as as the rest of you. You know, don't don't hide what makes you you. That's a good point. And you see, the thing is, uh, again, we're talking mental health, being proud of being blind rather than yeah. being ashamed of it. Yeah. And I know there are people out there, and I run into them all the time with my guide dog, and they're impressed with the harness. 
Oh, that's a neat harness the dog has. Yes. And they don't have a clue. Yeah. <laughs> they don't. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've walked, absolutely. But that's, you know, I've, part I've of... walked with... Is that part of our magic, though? You know, part of that, what makes us special is we get to educate the public. Yeah. You know, because, well, I mean, when I'm, especially when I'm skiing, I have people frequently like ski by me or if I'm if I'm in line to get on the lift or whatever they're like oh my gosh you are so inspiring to me um to watch you ski or you know it's so beautiful to see you out here or whatever it is but in it in it you talk about mental health well it's good for their mental health too you know maybe it pulled them Mm -hmm. out of a little bit of their darkness yeah, a lot, a lot of people uh, talk about how inspirational I am, you know, and, and I get, frankly, I get a little nauseous because I don't <laughs> consider myself inspirational, but I'm comfortable with being blind. Yes. But in terms of inspiration, uh, uh, well, you know, yeah. <laughs> what are the yeah. choices? <laughs> Yeah. Well, but I do when I like, but there's a little kid like, you know, like a four year old on his snowboard that's racing down the mountain. That's inspiring to me, (laughs) you know, so. Yeah, exactly. You know, but I I know I get it too, Bill. And sometimes it is. It's nauseating. (laughs) But you know what? (laughs) If. If me walking down the street with my cane or my guide dog brightens somebody's day, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess it's better that, you know, they say it's awesome than say, you know, that blind guy just walked into a pole there. What's what's wrong with him? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but it's the you know what we're talking about. One is we have to get out, and yes. and uh, you know Colorado has some wonderful trails. I just did uh, uh, right before, well, uh, about a month or so ago. I did uh, Mount Falcon, and mm-hmm. and I, that was the first time I did it with my dog. And not mm-hmm. only it was great for me because I love Mount Fa- the hike at Mount Mount Falcon, but it was the first time that he has had a chance to guide me on a mountain yeah. trail. And I could sense from him how proud he was of oh. having the opportunity to do that and how much yes. he loved it. Yeah. And so that it benefits everybody. And, you know, if we get some people to, instead of blocking or trying things out, say, well, why don't you come with me? Yes. We all benefit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we at Audio Information Network of Colorado, we've had the last two years, we've had our big fundraising hike. And our our team is called the Audio Trekkers. And you can actually check us out where if you go to Rocky Mountain PBS station, they did a beautiful, beautiful story about it this last year. And it's I get so much positive feedback, not just from the blind participants, because some of them, it's the first time, Bill, that they've ever been hiking, even though they yeah. were born mm-hmm. and raised in Colorado. It's the first time they got to go hiking. 
Um, but it's because AINC gave them that opportunity and we set them up for success. But we also get incredible feedback from the cited guides and from the sponsors um, because we invite everybody out there, you know, we, we want our volunteers to come and be part of it. And, and it, there is, there's just something magic that happens on a mountain, no matter how mm -hmm. steep it is. Um, everybody working together and being out there together and breathing that fresh air and, and helping each other and supporting each other up the trail. And it's, there, there's really nothing, nothing like it out there. Did you have any special equipment that you used for hikers or gave hikers to do the hike? Really, the only things are um, trek poles, the trekking poles. Um, you really don't want to use your white cane because you, you could break it because white canes yeah. are not meant for support. Um, right. So we, we do recommend having two trek poles, not just one. And we teach people how to use them. Um, mm -hmm. And then the other is, um, you know, sighted guides. We teach people and there's all different kinds of techniques for sighted guides when it comes to hiking. It's very different than walking on cement um, or being inside as a sighted guide. And then the other, if people are confident enough, um, we will give the guides uh, a bear, a little bear bell, um, and they literally walk in front of the blind person, and they just, you know, it's a little sound, um, little or big, depending on what the person wants. So they kind of follow that bell, um, and that oh. is really, mm -hmm. really neat because the the blind person with the trek poles, and we again, I, we train them how to use them. They have the freedom to go at their own pace, um, right? Because when you do sighted guide with the elbow, you kind of tend to, you kind of have to go at your guide's pace, or the guide right. has to go at the blind person's pace. Where this mm -hmm. this technique, you both really can kind of feel free and independent, and you're not tied tied together. That's I hadn't heard about that, but that sounds yeah. that sounds really doable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And and it's not, you know, it's not a race to the top. Whenever I go hiking, I make sure everybody knows I am not racing to the top because <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to lose if we do race. Um, I take it because I have other heart, you know, I have a really bad heart and lungs. And so I can't race up a mountain um, at that altitude. Mm -hmm. So, but I can get there. I'll get to the top. It might take me longer than you want me to, but, um, <laughs> but, but that's neat because I get to hang back at the back with the people that are really struggling. And those are the most amazing people because they're really trying and they're the ones that are inspiring me to keep going because I know how it much it's hurting. <laughs> and um, yeah. And so we always have a great time. At, we call ourselves the sweepers at the back because um, we're sweeping <laughs> the trail, making sure nobody gets left behind. And we usually have the most fun at the back of the back of the line. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, are there so. special techniques as well for skiing and uh Yes. Absolutely. So my husband and I have been skiing together for years. Um, but it took until last ski season for uh us to get um radios. So with their Bluetooth headsets, um he's got one in his, you know, ski helmet and I have one in mine. So but so when I hear and I'm also hearing, I've lost a lot of hearing over the last few years. Um, and I do have hearing aids, but 
when you're outside and and if the wind is blowing or right or it's just busy or whatever it's hard to hear your guide no matter how loud yes. they can be it's also hard on the guide to be yelling yes. all the time mm-hmm. so with with these bluetooth headsets my husband moses he can talk normal he'll be like you know turn left hold 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 you know or stop <laughs> um but <laughs> it's but we can talk like or he'll say there's a there's a snowboarder coming up fast on your right but he looks like he's in control so just hold your line or he might yeah. say we're coming up on somebody it's obvious it's the first time on skis so we're going to go really slow and we're going to take a big curve around them and and he gets to talk mm-hmm. normal voice um and that has been extremely helpful um and i've noticed that i know foresight ski guides up in vale they have started using the headsets with the with the guide and the and the blind skiers and i think it it's it's really really helpful it feels safer for me too. Um, mm-hmm. Also, if I need something like, oh my, you know, my legs are hurt. I just need I need a minute to stop and um, and rest. I can just say that in my normal voice. Or when we go inside and I need to go to the restroom, he can, right. you know, Moses can say, "Well, Pen, it's you know, ten feet to one o'clock is the door." <coughs> so. So they're really helpful. That's a great idea. I'm not familiar with the headset. Uh, It makes sense uh, because I'm hearing impaired and I wear hearing aids, but anything with the uh, Bluetooth uh, can communicate with me in a skiing situation or in any kind of situation where I'm some distance from someone. It's a great idea. Yeah. I I definitely think it's a lot safer. Because sometimes, yeah, and what, absolutely. What got in fact, us, it's safe. Yeah, what got us to get them is um, it was our first trip out last season, and we were at uh, Keystone, and there was so much ice that it was just that constant, like, static. And it was yeah. the last run of the day, and I could not hear Moses at all because that like static noise was so loud because everybody was going right. down and I, I had to just sit down because it was not safe for me because I could not, I couldn't see and I couldn't hear. And then um, Moses actually had to hike back up, to, you know, it wasn't too far, but, and we just sat there until the hill cleared enough where I felt safe enough I could hear his voice. And that's that's when I went online and researched the Bluetooth headsets, mm-hmm. and we've been skiing with them ever since. Because it doesn't matter if, it, if it's icy now because um, I can hear him because he's inside my head. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. Uh, I think that makes so much sense. One of the advantages that I think uh, that we have is that there's been a lot of technology that the problem is we have to find it and use it so that we can do so much more than we could have maybe 20 years ago or or 30 years ago. Uh, Because, but we have to be committed to trying different things out. I think yeah. that's one of the keys. Uh, if there's a message from this program, it's, uh, there's stuff out there. 
if we ask one another, we check around, and rather than say, oh, I can't do something because I'm blind, but say, how can I do it when I'm blind? Well, don't you think that's one of the reasons it's so important to reach out into the blind community? Because I, you know, I facilitate a low vision support group and twice a month, and I learn so much from them because, you know, somebody will say, oh, you know, I'm running into this issue has it anybody else been there? You know, what what are you using? What are you doing? What technology or what resource is helping? And I I learned something every single time we get together that I didn't know because, you know, there are people out there that are, you know, finding those new technology, but also just the resource or a service that I'm not aware of. So it's really important to find those those support groups wherever you wherever you can find with them. Really, it's really important that we're not ashamed of one another because we can learn from each other. Yeah. How to operate as a blind person. How we can operate with whatever whatever disability or limitation we may have. I think I'm at the part I, you know, really need to get together with older folks mm-hmm. to learn how to, uh, you know, to survive yeah. in what is basically a younger generation that's in in charge. But Absolutely. it's, a, you know, just. It's, Talk it, just not be ashamed of what we can't do, what we perceive we can't do, but say, I'm having trouble with this. How do you deal with it? Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it's humbling sometimes because yeah. we have to admit the thing that we may have some real hesitation about, yeah. but somebody else may have the answer to help us do what it is we really want to do successfully. Yeah. Absolutely. All of which come back around to helping us feel mentally healthy. Yes. As well as physically healthy. Yeah. And if we're mentally healthy and feeling like we can ask and we can look around and we can be assertive and find ways to do the things we really want to do, then we're also going to be physically healthy. Do the yes. two of them work together? Absolutely. And yeah, and like it's like how you kind of stated at the very beginning of the podcast today, Bill, that they do go hand in hand. And the, you know, perfect example of that is, you know, I broke, I fell last March, March 18th, I fell skiing, and I broke my right wrist, and I tore the ligaments and tendon in my thumb. And it Mm. took me out, it, you know, knocked me out of skiing for the rest of the season. Well, I couldn't ski. And that really set me into a really dark space for a while. And so they, uh, they do go hand in hand. So what then I had to find something else, you know, so I, you know, as soon as I got the cast off and got the okay, I started swimming, you know, instead of skiing and, you know, in the pool and, and no, it was not as exhilarating (laughs) as flying down (laughs) the mountain, but it, but it was still, it was okay, you know, um, so well, they could throw of... some crocodiles in the pool, <laughs> and that would be exhilarating. That, that, that might have made give... it a little more exciting. But <laughs> but they do; it does go hand in hand. You know, it's yeah. if you if you exercise on any level, whatever that is for you, 
you feel better. But then Mm -hmm. if you can't exercise for some reason, that really messes with you mentally. So it's, they, they go hand in hand. And, um, you know, I, I, I just think it's so important to keep moving as, as much as you can and, um, and pushing yourself. There's nothing like the accomplishment of standing on a top of a mountain peak that you didn't think you were going to be able to <laughs> to get there or ski a run that you didn't think you you could do or like that that sense of accomplishment is is so it just feeds my soul and my mental stability and um it's just it's just amazing it is amazing and i think what i'm hearing you all say also okay if something for some reason or another, it blocks you from doing something you'd love to do, like skiing or whatever, mm-hmm. temporarily, it's important for us to replace it with some other physical yes. thing to keep up, keep the endorphins going, the, the yes. parts of the brain that produces a feeling of pleasure yeah. to, you know, to keep at it because you know that that's going to help repair you physically and mentally both. Yeah. It's just to keep active because the word, you know, I think it really, uh, maybe we have to have timers on our body to say, okay, enough <laughs> being at the computer, get up and do something. Yeah. That's because sure. so much of what I, uh, uh, way we're set up is to just do nothing like watch TV to be passive. And that, is not helpful. Passivity is not really that helpful to us. Yeah, that's right. I, I yeah, I think any time that we remain dormant, <laughs> it are it's it's not a good place to be. And not that you should never take time. Like obviously, if you're going through trauma, you know sometimes you need to just sit and and yeah, yeah, the balance. Feel, yeah, but if you do that for too long and it becomes too comfortable, it makes it even harder to get back out. And that's been the penalty that we've uh, been paying with the uh, requirements of the COVID, COVID epidemic. Yes. You know, we've become, uh, I know I've become uh, a lot more uh, sitting back rather than you know, getting out there. And, you know, that's one of my resolutions is to get myself going. And I think that's what all of us are feeling to get out there. It's just trying to figure out, given who we are, whatever, whatever uh, parameters you want to put for us to find ways to get out there and be active uh, yeah. appropriately. And to the degree uh, that we're not, uh, driving ourselves and going to the other extreme, but being balanced in time of rest, time of activity, time of trying things out that we normally mm-hmm. wouldn't try. Right. And see how we do. And Absolutely. not consider anything as failure. Failure is just another opportunity to learn. That's all it is. Yeah. And just because we find we can't do something, there may be some legitimate reason uh, that we can't, 
and it mm-hmm. doesn't say anything about us. It just says that particular activity doesn't work for everybody. Yeah. But if we're willing to try, and if we're willing to see if we can do it, there are ways that can help us do whatever it is we want to do and develop the pride in ourselves and our ability yeah. to to do things. Yeah, I mean, that's such a great point because, you know, skiing is not for everybody, um, regardless if you're sighted or blind. I have lots of sighted friends that <laughs> have no desire to ski um, because yeah. just because you're blind doesn't mean that you have to do something, you know. But but find something that gives you joy and gets you outside. And um, it's, you know, and sometimes that takes several tries. You know, it might, it might take you a few times to find, you know, sort of that, that fit. But, but like Bill says, just try. Mm-hmm. I have to admit, <clears throat> uh, part of the training program I was in, I had to do rock climbing. And I hated it. <laughs> I, I, I was cursing the whole time I was climbing, and you know, uh, and I'm sure they could hear hear me everywhere in the mountain area where I was. But I look back on it and say, you know, you really, uh, I should reassess it and at least try it again yeah. with a different attitude. Yeah. I had to rock climb because that was part of the program, requirement yep. of the program. And you can imagine how I felt about the program at that moment. Yes. <laughs> Where the opposite but, was true for me. The first time I rock climbed, I fell in love with it. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is just amazing because it's so tactile, you know. Yeah. And um like you're on the you know side of a mountain you know this cliff and I just I just oh I, it was heaven to me <laughs> but again that's <laughs> me you know because I've been yeah. to a lot mm-hmm. of those I used to um, teach um, blind students how to rock climb in the Rocky Mountain National Park so I w- I was probably one of those people down below hearing you cursing um, but, <laughs> uh, but I but so there were there were students that were just I I was like yep this is going to be the one and only time <laughs> they ever do this but there were also people that were like me like oh my gosh that, like they found what they loved they found something that brought them joy and and yeah. that was beautiful yeah. yep and I think the tactile part of whether it's rock climbing or whatever. That is our saving grace. If we can access our ability to feel what we're doing and mm-hmm. to uh, use that sense of touch, uh, it really com- compensates for uh, what we may have be uh, have lost with being blind, because we can we can see so much through our touch. Absolutely. What I refer to as the Helen Keller method, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if we have that touch, it really is meaningful, but we don't, we may not because we're so blind, uh, sighted focused, we don't pay attention to that. Yeah. And people who are sighted may be benefit by wearing blindfolds for a while and, and getting uh, a chance to feel how things feel, like in rock climbing, like uh, any anything that we do, where uh, 
mindfulness. You know, the whole theory of mindfulness is that we become acutely aware of all our senses at all times. Mm -hmm. And we pay attention when we walk to what the road feels like because sighted, we don't do that. Right. Right. And that is so fulfilling and it's so meditative. It is so, so healthy for us to be doing that. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Pen, this has been wonderful for me to get a chance <laughs> to interact with you and, and learn from you, as you say. Uh, we learn from others. Yes. And I'm I'm curious about some of the things that you mentioned in terms of uh, what I may need to try out, like those headphones, uh, in terms of situations and trying out just skiing again or doing some things. So I really... Uh, I know I speak for our listeners, too, to appreciate how much you've contributed to the physical and mental health of people who are blind in Mm. helping and teaching and encouraging uh, people. Thank Thank you you. so much, Ben. Thank you. Thank you, friend. Thank you for what you're doing. This is amazing. It's such an amazing program, and I, I think all of us are learning so much through you and your experiences too as as well bill thank you i appreciate those uh, last words this is bill lundgren your host at blindsight and uh, we end this program and we look forward to you uh, list continuing to listen to both to Penn's program after sight and to blindsight have a great week Thanks, Bill.